going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let, let's get right to it. <laughs> Welcome into another edition of the Goodman, uh, Ryan and Goodman podcast. My apologies, Bob, there. You know, when I, when I do my other podcast with Robbie Hummel, uh, I'm first because I'm the elder. Uh, I'm, I'm the one. <laughs> this one is not just because you're the elder, it's because you're the elder and you you, you deserve it. Uh, anyway, welcome to the Ryan and Goodman podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Goodman. He is Bob Ryan. And we got plenty to talk about today, Bob. Uh, we're going to do some NBA kind of um, around the horn type deals and, and a bunch of different topics. And then we're going to close with some college stuff and uh, talk about John Chaney and, and, and the big five and uh, Baylor and Gonzaga. And, and if this is good for college hoops if they end up playing uh, for a national title. But uh, let's start off with this. And I don't know if this is the most pertinent NBA news, but I think it's interesting that they're going to try to have an all-star game down in Atlanta, a one-day deal down in Atlanta in the middle of – they have a break March 5th through the 10th, I believe. And they're going to try to have an all-star game on the 7th in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Good idea, bad idea. It isn't bad. It isn't necessary, but it, I don't think it's going to hurt anything uh, in a sense for, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. What, what am I not seeing here? Um, it, it's, it, it's symbolic that we're trying to keep on keeping on, you know. I mean, we all, it has to be, if there are fans, I have to be limited naturally as, as everything is now. But it, 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 it doesn't bother me. I don't know. Am I missing something here? I mean, the only thing you worry about a little bit is you've already had 25 or so games postponed, canceled, yeah. postponed. And you just worry that – I always worry – in all-star break, generally, a lot of players fly all over the place quickly. They go – you know, I hear stories of players that go down yeah. uh, to warm weather places, sit in the right. beach for a couple of days, party. Right. You know, now again, I don't – listen, they can go anywhere, anyway. Like, whether they're going to the all-star game – or they're going home with their families, they could be at risk wherever they go. So I'm with you. I, I say do it. Just be smart about it. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully hopefully nobody uh, has COVID among the all-star players because if it spreads around all those dudes, uh, we're going to have one, uh, one sad NBA coming out of the break. I got to tell you a story. Uh, this is just – I hadn't thought about it in a while naturally, but you mentioned about a one-day deal, right? My first all-star game was 1970, the year of the uh, Knicks, as we call it, you know, Uh, uh, and um, um, it was in Philadelphia and we flew, we being uh, the the contingent, it was Havlicek, I think, uh, yeah, Havlicek, I think he was the contingent that year, that was it. And anyway, down to Philadelphia, uh, the day of the game in the morning and there was a luncheon. That was the only hoopla. It was a luncheon. And it was it was uh, hosted by Philadelphia native sports junkie Bill Cosby. <laughs> and um, that fellow, the, the, the comedian who's ended up his life in disgrace. But anyway, um, it there was a snowstorm that night in Philly. 
And so uh, I needed, I, I got a ride over from a friend to the game to get to beat the bus. I was going to go on the bus and I get there and all hell's, you know, the just traffic problems, everything. And I wind up I'm sitting in the West locker room. Now he doesn't, he'll never remember this naturally. No reason whatsoever to the only West player who had arrived. It was Dick Van Arsdale or the Suns. And I actually have Dick Van Arsdale all to myself. <laughs> I'm 20. I'm this kid. I'm 24 years old now. This is wow. my first year covering. Anyway, and then they played a the game and Willis Reed, it was the year of the Knicks. He was the MVP. So he was a guy, you know, who was MVP in the league, MVP in the finals and MVP in the all-star game. A rare trifecta. I don't know if anybody else has that. done that. Yeah. We can look easily, but I have Anyway, but it was, and my point is all been, it was a one day in and out. Fly and, in. Did they, they didn't fly. I mean, flew home the next morning. Yeah. One day in and out. That's that was crazy. it. That's the way the world was. That's the world I walked into. That's the NBA that I walked 50 into. 50 years ago. 50, 50 years ago, Bob. Years ago. Nobody, ca- nobody really cared. It's kind of what you're saying to some degree. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, not, it was low key. Right. You know, the, the game, but, you know, the game at that point was, it was the 20th game. The first one was in 1951 here in Boston. And by the way, I don't know if you know this story, but the all-star game in 1951 at the Boston Garden, which was a sellout, okay. but it was only a sellout, they think, because it was a triple header. Who there was. It was a high school game, local high school game, and some other kind of put together all star game. And then the then by like eight thirty or nine o'clock, the the NBA all stars took the floor. <laughs> no way. Yes. That's way. That's all right. So anyway, but we digress. But I hope pleasantly. <laughs> it's a show. It is a complete show now. Um, you wonder too how many players will just say, "Hey, you know what? Um, I'm I'm not into it." I hope they do. The honor, it's still an honor. It should be an honor. I've yep. seen it fluctuate bad, wildly over the years. I remember right. writing about, uh, by three or four years later, uh, uh, in the early 70s, that nobody seemed to care. They, they weren't. And then there, then there was a period where they started to care. And then, of course, the thing now, it's a farce. You know, you know the over-under for the winning team is 170. And, and, and it's a dunkarama. And yeah. it's not remotely basketball. And, and it's a waste of time in that regard. Frankly, oh, the, I don't even know what the best part is. I mean, even, the slam dunk's interesting. Our boy Pat Connaughton was in it last year. Well, yeah, um, that's overshadowed. That, that, that all those stuff are more important than the game, right? You know, and, and, no, the game is a joke. I mean, I went, I went to the All Star game a couple of years ago in New Orleans for ESPN, and I didn't even stay for the game. There was there was absolutely <laughs> no reason to stay. Yeah, I, you know, it's sad because it could be good if they put right. if they tried yeah. to make it good. Actually, last year we have to back up. They went for that. That scoring system thing, yeah, what do you call yep. it? and it worked. Yeah, it the thing with Jonathan Mugar's. Uh, it, it, it did create interest, and it did, it did seem to work. You know, and keep Elam ending, Elam ending. Yeah, I'm more interested. You know, yeah. But I've, I've seen back in the '80s and '90s, honest to God, I saw some really wonderful games. You know, where they really tried, and and overtime, and guys putting out, and people caring. Well, Bob, Bob, why, why would the All Star Game be any different than, uh, than than regular season? The Nets beat the Clippers last night, one twenty four, one twenty. No scoring. No, that was a, that's like a walk it up, uh, squeeze the, the life out of it. I mean, the Nets. How many one forties have they been involved in since they put the trio it's together? Amazing, I think. And and at least two, in, in which both teams scored one hundred and forty. Um, all right, let's talk about them. 
the lab experiment known as the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> I don't know. Again, I feel like on a given night, you, you watch him and you're like, okay, I see it. I see that they could fight the Lakers. And then most nights you're like, there's just no way. There's just no way they can't guard anybody. Now, I saw Durant was paying lip service to the idea, you know, we'll play defense or we can do it. We can, you know. He will. He will. KD will. The problem is Will James Harden and Kyrie can't. Kyrie's just not, not a good defender. Like James Harden, I think if he wants to be, can be an above average defender. He just doesn't give a shit half the time. He just doesn't well, care. Uh, they're not going to beat the Lakers if they don't, if they get that, if they even get that far. Right. You know? but, um, but they are, I mean, you know, but we're seeing glimpses of, oh, my God, the, the, the tsunami that they can bring, you know. you know, I mean, eh, Kyrie just waltzed away to 39 last night. You know, hey, you know, doing it, the, going to the basket. My God, is he good. You know, that's just stop, take a yeah. A moment to say, oh, he's whatever a nutcase or what? Not, I, no, that's not fair. Whatever a a, a truly complicated, yep. thoughtful human being, often indecipherable, but he's trying. You know, off the court. Okay, I'll give him that. Boy, is he good. He's he fun is- to watch. He is. I mean, uh, I don't know too many. Is there a guard? Is there anybody, Bob, that you can compare to Kyrie? With his handle, his ability to get to the basket and finish using angles. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody? The the Zeke was pretty good. He was. Isaiah Thomas. Let's not forget him. He was pretty damn good and wouldn't and would flourish in this game. There's no doubt. There's no problem. But the 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 oh to the rim, yes. One guy I've seen. The one guy who I used to say and, and you had to see him in person. You could not appreciate. Uh, you had to be there because there's a feel that uh, a whoosh when he got to the basket with one extra little gear, A, and the, the, an unparalleled ability to move laterally in the air after going up on the left side of the basket and finishing on the right, not just with a, with a okay. but he was his whole body got there somehow. Derek Rose. Yeah. Uh, the early was- Derek, the, the, that, the MVP Rose, when I first saw him, I saw him in the tournament. So I got to see him play three times that year. And that's when I said, folks, you can't understand this kid until you see him in person. You, the TV doesn't do him justice. So there's your answer. He could, that guy got to the rim, but th- that's the only person. He's so different though. The, the Derek, first- Derek Rose was just a freak athlete where Isaiah and Kyrie Neither are freak athletes. Neither are, like, physically imposing. Um, the big difference was Isaiah was, was a terrific passer. Like, Kyrie is a scorer at his core. And, and really, yeah, he can pass at times, but that's not his game. His well, he's, game a, is- he's, a, he's a one and a half at best. He's certainly not a, a, he's certainly not a one. He's a, he's a one and a half at best, or, or a one and three quarters, or one and nine tenths. You know? <laughs> is, is, hey, is Kyrie, though, and Isaiah, are they, are they a good comparison? Because they're both complicated individuals as well, Bob. Oh, I, I've had my personal circumstances with Isaiah Thomas. So, yeah, sure you know, and, and, and it was very pleasant, but uh, as it turned out, oh, it's a, it's a, in the aftermath of the Dennis Rodman, Colin Larry, it just, you know, 
yeah. uh, overrated and the whole yep. thing. And Zeke chimed in and all that. And then there was an aftermath of that. And I, I had ripped him in the tournament. I had ripped him. And anyway, long story, some other day. Uh, we will uh, uh, another rainy day story we'll save all right but uh, he yeah he had his own quirks how about that quirks was was isaiah likable when you dealt with him because he he was likable i had like a six hour dinner with him a few Uh years ago when he got the uh he took the fiu job down in florida so i went down to miami and spent some time it was like a marathon dinner Mm -hmm. and i again i found him to be super engaging um, I, I, I have dined with him. I have yeah. broken bread in, uh, in the morning with him at his request, but, uh, uh, to settle an issue, <laughs> which you gotta like to start with, right. You know, okay. it's just one of those things that, you know, that you, you, you just don't forget. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, a somewhat of a parallel there, but I think Kyrie's in another realm entirely. I mean, another you know, realm I, I, in, terms in terms of, of off the court, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. You know, here up and down like a base. There's a, something going down like that. Uh, there, there are a few I've ever encountered that are more mystifying than that fellow. <laughs> the new year is here and marks a fresh start for your small business. Whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person and find them quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 722 million members worldwide. Getting started easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions. LinkedIn will quickly get your role in front of more qualified candidates. Manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. So I'm, I'm watching the Celtics-Golden State game last night and uh, watching Steph, and, and he's, he's incredible. I mean, just the things he does, you know, it, it's sad because last year he was hurt, and when he wasn't, they weren't any good. This year they're, like, kind of mediocre without Clay. Uh, yeah. Draymond's just – you know, Draymond was perfect when you surrounded him with KD, Steph, mm-hmm. and Clay. because, honestly, all he was doing was shooting uncontested threes. Nobody's paying attention. Now they're paying attention. Andrew Wiggins is kind of their second guy. Yeah. I feel bad for not only Steph but for the NBA that Clay went down. I obviously feel bad for Clay. Oh. Because oh, yeah. I really think if you put Clay on this team, wouldn't they be the Lakers' biggest worry? I think so. Is that fair? I think so. I do. I think, and also, you know, I mean, I uh, I've lost track. I didn't watch. Okay, I'll be honest. I yeah. I, have to, I watched Baylor and, and uh, uh, Texas, Texas, and enjoyed it. And then I I, got, I had to get up too early, so I uh, I, I I didn't yeah. push myself. And I just felt. You know, anyway, I didn't watch. Hey, so uh, I don't know uh, how, how it went. I mean, I, I but so Celtics won. Celtics yeah, won. I know, one, and I know, and they got good nights from Tatum and Brown. Yep. Another struggle night from Walker. We'll talk about that. I want to yep. have to talk about him a little bit. So anyway, I say, oh, I was going to say, uh, Steph Curry, yeah, people shouldn't forget how good. Now, the only thing I'll say is this um, he's had moments of glory, and, and they've been to the mountaintop, and they were a team, you know, for the ages. Uh, and he'll always, 
that's never going to be forgotten. He's going to have that. It's not as if his career is unfulfilled, but right. he still has a lot to offer. What is he, 31? Yeah, probably. Oh, I mean, 31 or two. He's got a lot to offer. I mean, yeah, he had another 30, whatever the hell, last night. You know, and, and I, I think he's the greatest shooter who's ever lived. There's nobody that's been able to get a shot off with reliable consistency from the distances that he does. You know, uh, it, it, and, and he goes to the hoop. It looks so nice and he had a play last night. Easy that he makes it look so good. Oh, he's a wonderful player. Uh, you know, and he he's an elite passer when he wants to be. Yep. Like that's the one thing about Steph. Like last night, here was his line last night, Rob Bob. Thirty eight points, seven of fourteen from three, seven of seven from the line, eleven rebounds, eight assists, three turnovers, <laughs> eleven rebounds. Yeah. I mean, come on, like yeah. this this guy is. He's just so much fun to watch. And, and again, I just feel like, man, wouldn't you rather watch a Golden State Lakers Western Conference Finals if, if it's Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins is your number four guy? Yeah. I mean, maybe they'd have a chance. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm giving them too much credit here. But, you know, the window's closing, and I wonder uh, just how much longer, even, even if Clay comes back next year, they got to add another piece. Like James yeah. Wiseman, he's hurt right now. Last night, he's oh, played what, really. Right. He's played well. The only returns are good. I can understand. I see what people saw in him. Yes, There's no, no question. Wiseman's going to help. So next year, you know, their starting five could be pretty. You know, if you get them all back, Steph, Clay, Wayne, Draymond, Wiseman. Two years out for Clay is just boy. That's going to be something. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But God. I just again, I, I I feel bad in a sense that, that the NBA is not going to get a chance to see this Warriors team maybe one more shot here yeah. when they're young enough to to be able to make another run. Yeah, that, that team will be the gold standard of the new world, the new basketball world, you know, the world that uh, the three-point dominant world, the three-point mania world, I like to call it, the three-point centric world, whatever. It is a different game. It is just a different game than the one that yep. the Bulls played or that the Celtics played or that the Lakers played or or, the, or God God knows, or that the, the Trailblazers with Walton or the Knicks with, with Clyde played. It's a it's a different game. And uh, not here's the one thing I want to tell the millennials, though, the youngins. There's other people, if they were playing, if, they, if this were the game, they could have they could have played it. They could have altered their approach. They could have said, hey, oh, we got to take 33s? All right, we will. You didn't do it. The game hadn't come to that Daryl Moriization yet. <laughs> you know, Goy, you know, and the history's written. He's going to have to be a major part of it. Of this, that the, over the, the so sad, but true. Sad, but true. All right. <laughs> uh, are the Utah Jazz for real, Bob? 16 and 5, best record in the NBA uh, right it's, now? It's a nice appetizer i guess they're you can't dismiss what they have done it they not only are they 16 and 5 but they pound you i mean they're they're you're surprised when they don't win by 10 or more um and then they got derailed one night the other night but everybody's gonna have an off night they're on the road you know and that's fine i i want to see a little more but wow you know i wasn't ready for this and we know they were they were nice last year right we, they were good and they were and and okay that's cool but you know and donovan mitchell oh he's really ascended you know and but my you know that's what we were talking go dial it back to bubble basketball right donovan mitchell was one of the five or six best stories that came out of it right and maybe one of the three or four but i wasn't ready for this 
you know, also there's such a, you know, lightning rod because of Rudy Gobert. And I call my, the world was pre Rudy Gobert and post Rudy Gobert, March 11th, you know, <laughs> very true very true and uh but speaking of him by the way he's pretty damn good too he is good i mean he's perfect for what they need you know yeah. like you get a guy like that and you, you surround him with guys who can who can score uh and yeah. donovan mitchell continues to get better and better and you know jordan clarkson can score and he can shoot I mean, and Bogdanovich is is capable and English and the Erie's good. The Erie's just refutable fact is that they shoot threes as well or better than anybody. And, and which is weird. Okay, so who was ready for that? Not me, because Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell have never been known as like great shooters. They've been known as great scorers. Yeah, so yeah, right. that does surprise me. You know, like yeah, yeah Bogdanovich uh, and English. Yeah, can, Bogdanovich, sure. Those two. Mike Conley's playing better, which is awesome. I, I, I'm not that, huh? You're I, not going to find a better. You are not going to find a better human being than Mike Conley. Like my salt of the earth. That. And and when he's 33 now and playing as well as he's ever played, and and uh, that's fine. You know, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not buying him. A little more, and even a little more. I got to put a word in for the coach. The yep. coach. I'm sorry. I think we mentioned this. I. I it's, this is my. You know, for cock the crazy thing. You know. When I look at Quinn Snyder, all I think of is Elmer Gantry, the movie with Burt Lancaster, because he had that, he has that floppy, that curl that yes. comes down when his hair, when he, and, and he has a passionate, shall we say, fright, almost frightening demeanor at times, right? Yeah. And I go, Elmer Gantry, I'm sorry, I may be the only person on earth that thinks Elmer Gantry when I see Quinn Snyder, but this goes way back. This all, so anyway, oh. there we go. All right. Here's one for you. If Carmelo Anthony scores 638 more points in his career, Bob, he will break into the top 10 in the NBA's all-time scoring list. He will pass, at that point, Elvin Hayes. Ah, uh, well, that's good. I'm glad anybody passes Elvin. It's okay with me. <laughs> I'll, I'll work for him. You know, he's Why? one of my least favorite. Why? He's, one of my, he's one of my least favorite players of all time. Why? He offended me aesthetically and personally. What do you need to know? No, I mean, I don't need the personally to, part. Not a horrible human being or anything like that. But he's a he was a, a whining, a phony crybaby, uh, you know. And and he had he had excuses and uh, and he had one shot, which is a pretty good damn good shot if you obviously. Score anyway, he scored twenty seven thousand three hundred thirteen points with that shot. Subtract the free throws and, and, you know, 80% of them were on a very reliable turnaround jumper, but he was, and, and, and it also, it, I, it's a long story. I, I, I it was monotonously we won't go there. My, my question to you was. Okay. Let's get back when, to Carmelo. Yes. When Carmelo retires, <laughs> what is his legacy? Like what, how do you think of Carmelo in the oh, I'm not a, of I'm, NBA scorers? Right, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame naturally. You know, the, he'll walk into the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to deny him that. You know, um, I think he was a, a, a stat accumulator, a non-winning player uh, for the most part. And I don't know if that's ever changed. Maybe he's seen the religion now at, at age 38 or whatever the hell, giving yeah. this one last shot. I didn't expect him to be as productive as he is, uh, has been with the with with, with Portland, uh, frankly, but. Uh, uh, I was no fan of his with the, when he was with the Knicks, but you know the numbers would go up, and they had a one year they won fifty four, 
you know, I know that. And uh, with uh, Mike Whipson, I believe, who's the coach. And, and um, people, yeah, but I, I won't be at the testimonial. And, and, uh, and uh, if I'm ever so fortunate as to be back on the committee, I have been, uh, you know, I, which I doubt I will be, uh, I would vote for him. But, uh, you know, but I won't be at the test. He, he doesn't, inch, you know, I mean, I have, I'm, just, I'm speaking as a fan now. I'm not speaking as a so-called, you know, he doesn't interest me, but not it's a Syracuse. I was there tonight. They won. I was there, you know, and when, and Lee, when Hakeem blocked the shot, it was right in front of me. I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet if you see a picture taken from the other side of the court, uh, you'll see I'm in the background. I'm, I'm right there. He blocked that shot right in front of me. And, uh, uh, and, and, that was, was wonderful. and I'll give him, hey, by the way, and he's certainly been done right by his, his I, I don't, does he ever graduated? I have no idea. I won't say alma mater, but his school of choice, he, he's given back a lot of money. He's been very generous to his school. And I, and I, I salute him for that. So Carmel has still got a pass. Uh, I'll give you, uh, uh, the big O is 12th. Akeem is 11th. Elvin Hayes is 10th. Moses Malone is ninth, and I hope uh, you know where I'm going with this. Moses Malone, uh, one of his records fell last night. Tell me. Uh, Fred Van Vliet became – scored 54 points, which eclipsed – obviously very different, but he eclipsed Moses Malone's 53 as uh, the undrafted player with the most points. Oh, yeah, but his undrafted – Moses is an asterisk. He was – Right, obviously. He wasn't undrafted, you know. Yes. I laughed. When I saw that Different category. Somebody actually wrote that or printed yes. that or claimed that. Yes. Jesus, yes. You know, sometimes it's embarrassing. This people can embarrass us in this profession. I'm sorry. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. People, if you're not wondering, uh, Moses Malone was undrafted because he signed out of high school with the ABA. Exactly. exactly. He would have been the first draft pick in the NBA for God's sake. Probably. Right. Fred Van Vliet um, was undrafted because right. he's legitimately he's undrafted. Right. Yes. Amazing I, I story. You know, I wish I had bought points. that stock. I wish I had bought that stock, Jeff, because I did love him in college. I, I love him too, but I didn't even know if he'd make it in the NBA. And, and most people didn't. Listen, like five years ago, he was on a G League team with Pascal Siakam. And I only know this because they were coached by Jerry Stackhouse, who is doing an atrocious job right now at Vanderbilt. And, um, probably should be gone after this year. He's been awful. Uh, but Jerry Stackhouse won a G League title with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. How about that? Oh, wow. Good stuff. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so, no, that he's a wonderful story. Van Vliet, 17 of 23 from the field, 11 of 14 from the three, <laughs> nine of nine from, from the line, 54 wow. points, which is a franchise record for the Toronto Raptors, and it couldn't happen um, – to a better guy because of, of everything. I mean, again, he just embodies toughness, uh, perseverance. All remember, remember the Gene Smithson days, MTXE? Remember no. that one? Oh, well, you're just a kid. No, I mean, um, my uh, Gene Smithson, I believe was the name of the coach. Which, yeah. uh, which, uh, and he came up with a, 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 a thing, a, a logo, not thing, uh, you know, put on his job. Oh. Mental toughness, extra effort. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm just, I my mind is just, for some reason, it's just racing yeah. around today. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Van Vliet and Ron Baker were fun. I mean, Ron Baker was a walk-on. He'd still be in the league, I think, right now, if he hadn't gotten hurt and he, he's dealing his yeah, I wonder what happened with a hip injury. 
Uh, and Fred Van Vliet just continues to get better and better and better. But uh, heck, heck of a story there. All right, let's move on. I know you wanted to touch on this, and, and I did too, on uh, John Chaney's passing, yeah. the former uh, Temple head coach that is probably most famous, which is sad for his <laughs> run-in with John Calipari in a postgame in which he threatened to kill Cal. Um, which you weren't, were you there for that? No, no, I wasn't, but you know, obviously highly interested because I was, you know, we, we were all over UMass at the Boston Globe in those days. Yeah. I, back in 1995, 96, when he went to the final four and he did go despite what you, the vacation, the vacated that you'll see. in they the were world. there. I was there and those fans were there. They were, um, there. They were definitely there. I, right, so I, John I, Chaney. Yeah. Yeah. I, John okay. Chaney. John you Chaney. You grew up around Big Five basketball. John Chaney went to, what, five Elite Eights? I mean, he was an institution at Temple. People forget. Young people don't realize. Temple used to be really, really, they really good. number one with the Mark Macon team at one point that year. They, yeah. they, they didn't go fulfill their destiny. But, uh, well, the whole Big Five, the whole world's changed. We're going to get to that in general. I go back even farther than that, though, with John Chaney. I remember him as a player in the Eastern League. Really? Because uh, I was in Eastern League City, Trenton, New Jersey in 1961. We got the relocated Easton Madisons and we picked up the, a, a franchise in the Eastern League when it was the second best basketball league in the world. When the NBA rosters had 10 players, which means there were 80 players playing in the NBA and the next best round of players were playing, riding buses and driving station wagons around such cities as Hazleton and Sunbury, Allentown, Camden, Trenton, Wilmington, Etc. 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 And John Cheney, who happened to be an African American, uh, a very good player at Bethune Cookman, uh, who was not recruited by the big schools because he was black, and uh, uh, was good enough to be in the NBA. But there was the, there was an unspoken quota system, and uh, and 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 he didn't qualify to to crack the at a point when there were, you know, barely fifteen or 20 black players in the league in the early 60s and mid 60s he was a really damn good basketball player okay yes then he goes to cheney state which is funny because cheney was spelled with an e and his name is spelled with an a but it might as well have been cheney with an a because of what he did for them including winning a national championship a d2 title but i remember him at the the first uh, time i encountered him as a press conference um, when he was with, with the Temple team, which happened on several years during his tenure, you know, but talking about life, you know, as the D2 coach at a school without much money. And one of the duties that he had, he drove the bus, maybe not all the time, but more than more than once, yeah. you know, and, and uh, he, his whole story. And, you know, I can sum it up by saying, and, and it's the same to Nolan Richardson and, and, and all these great, wonderful black coaches uh, for the most part, they live lives that no white writer will, will ever understand. Yep. Will never understand yep. what they went through and what life was like growing up and, and, and the obstacles they faced to get where they were. I mean, um, John Cheney, uh, he put his imprint on, 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 on Temple basketball uh, and, and national basketball. This team stood for something, you know. We all knew it was turnovers, no. Turnover, turnovers were, were the, the, the deadliest sin in John Cheney's mind. And he played a wonderful uh, scrambled zone defense. They were, they were, they were, uh, no one wanted to see Temple on their schedule. You had, you were really good. 
you're in for a, a, a tooth pull evening if you're going to play Temple. That's when the big five was right. I mean, you oh. have Villanova was good, Temple was good, St. Joe's was good. LaSalle. LaSalle. LaSalle was great with the L train, right? Yeah. With Lionel Simmons, a 3,000 point score. Right. That's right. And, you know, and Penn on and off, you know, but uh, Penn, you know, for many, you know, Penn went, the last Ivy League team to go to a Final Four was Penn, you know, in 79. But uh, even right up, even, anyway. Tony the, Price. Right, Tony. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bobby Willis, and uh, so uh, Ron. Oh, and then Phil Hankinson, and and, and uh, oh God, yes, absolutely, and and Quirky Calhoun. So they had some players. Yeah, big, yeah. well, the Big Five. You can't explain it to someone who wasn't there. Well, this is irrelevant now. Bob, nobody cares about Big Five like now. I know they all play each other still, but shambles. it's like, it's Villanova going four zero every year. It's a shambles. It's right. not what it was um, at all. Should it be gone? Like, should they do away with the Big Five at this point? Because it, it, it is just all about Villanova just dominating right now. It was, it, well, the idea would be, the, the better idea would be the others to build up what's going to bring us to their arch rival uh, and, and the plight there. And maybe nobody, you know, I, I mean, but let's just talk about Villanova's arch rival is St. Joe's within the Big Five. And, and, and for decades, it was a wonderful uh, a battle and, a, and, and it was a fair battle. What's happened in the recent years is, you know, so appalling. Um, you know, St. Joe's is, is, is under the, you know, Phil Martelli was ousted two years ago, right? right? They were falling him down, but he still, he was ousted two years ago. And a new athletic director who does not know, according to my sources, remotely what she's doing, uh, hired Billy Lang. And so far, Billy Lang is six, as we speak, is six and twenty-six, and they are one and fourteen this year. It is appalling. This They've is been without their best player, Ryan Daly, for a lot this of is a school with with rich basketball tradition. Yeah. You know, and of course it hurts me a lot because I grew up with, as a Big Five person was going back to nineteen fifty-two. But uh, and then meanwhile, though, the flip side, I'm just going to give you. I know you know, but you, the, the the scope of it is never cannot be exaggerated. We know they're ranked number three at the moment, the Wildcats, right? Here's their last eight years. You ready? Go ahead. 29 and 5, 33 and 3, 35 and 5, 32 and 4, 36 and 4, 26 and 10. Oh my God. How'd that happen? 24 and 7. And right now they're 11 and 1. They no, got what, two Jay national- Wright, what Jay Wright has done is they got absolutely two national remarkable. championships uh, you know, uh, along the way there to go along with the one they won in 85. And, you know, but the point is, those two schools were equal for, yeah. for decades, yep. equal. Yep. And, you know, and St. Joe's had the upper hand often. And wow. I mean, I must, I can't imagine being, you know, a Saint, a good St. Joe's. And the other thing I said, St. Joe's fans, and I'm going to get on the soapbox here. They were special. There was never, in my experience, which is going, dating back to 1952, in my experience of being a college basketball lover, and as you know, having attended games in 201 separate venues for college basketball. I know that. I do know that. As you do know that, the greatest fans ever were St. Joe's. Wow. Joe Sullivan will, Joe Sullivan's going to love this episode, by the way. They made more noise with 100 people than than most teams could make with 10,000. They were the St. Joe's fans of the 50s with Jack, Dr. Jack and the 60s and the 70s and 80s, the greatest collection of zealot. And of course, with the best mascot in all of college sports, the St. Joe Hawk, which is a scholarship position, I believe, once you get it. 
And he waves those arms futilely now from the time they take the floor to the end of the game. But it is the coolest thing. God loves St. Joseph's, a school, a little, little school up on the hill. And, and they deserve better than what they've got right now. All right, I'm off the soapbox. All right, well, uh, another school, another little school uh, is doing fairly well for itself out in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? My I don't son. think we have to feel bad for Gonzaga, Mark <laughs> Few, or their fans. Every single year, Mark Few has been the head coach at Gonzaga. They have made the NCAA tournament. It, it started with Dan Munson. Yep. Um, Maybe I'll try to pull few on this pod. Maybe I'll see if he can come. If he can, uh, be, I'd love to talk to him. Uh, Dan Monson, just by the way, the, that year, uh, in 99, they came within a, a, a whisper of going to the Final Four. That's who UConn beat yes. to yes. get to no, the that, Final Four on route to Calhoun's first championship. People forget. So Dan Monson, however, he didn't. He, he did the typical thing that any 99.9% of coaches would have done. Yep. The, the boat pulled it back into the dock and he got on and said, okay, Gonzaga is nice, but I, I'm not going to do, I've reached my limit here. Right. So he out of here goes to Minnesota. And I guess he's at well, long beach now. Yes. He's, he's been, a, he's been wandering in the basketball desert for the last 20 years. While his assistant has built Gonzaga into a monstrous annual power. That, it, listen, if we can't get Mark few, maybe we'll get Dan Munson on next week. <laughs> Hilarious. He will tell some unbelievable stories of how Gonzaga started. Uh, so we'll, we'll 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 try to figure it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that down for next week to see. But if they if we get the game, I know you want, and I know I want. Yeah. If we get the championship yeah. game, that maybe not the networks. Right. You know no, they don't want it. CBS doesn't want it. I'm sure. Turner but, does not but want. If it. you're a pure basketball fan and don't give a damn about what's on the front of the jersey, yeah. right? You want Baylor and Gonzaga if you're watching them play this year. That's what you want. And there's going to be a coach who resurrected a dead program, dead in Waco, Texas, left in tatters with huge shame and, and, and horror yeah. against a guy who's built a, a nice little school in Spokane into an annual power. Wow. That's that just to step back and somebody never told you and, 1990 or 2000 that there'd be an NBA championship game Gonzaga and Baylor now we may not get that game a lot of a lot of you know but right now those are the two best teams draw a line right now listen for a writer it's a dream oh. it's a dream for us right like and and be, for basketball purists it's a it's a dream because you see these these two underdog stories and they're the oh. two favorites right now while oh by the way We've got Kentucky, Duke, and Michigan State. All, if the season ended today, Bob, they're all in the NIT. All of them. What, I got to ask you this. What did you make of the Coach K contretemps with the student reporter? You know, I just thought it was condescending. That was my problem. I just think he's condescending too much. And he, listen, he's arguably the greatest coach in, in college basketball history. Um, I might put John Wooden above him, but whatever you can, you can say, you can make a case for both. Uh, no doubt. I just thought he handled it in a way that he didn't have to. And, and ultimately if he's winning and they're number one in the country is he doing that is John Calipari throwing his freshman under the bus early on in the season. Um, no, I mean, and, and listen in their defense, there's a lot of other stuff going on right now too, you know, with COVID and, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, everybody's going. Well, this latest pronouncement, yeah, it was, well, I, okay. Hey, my take on the thing is probably exaggerated. It wasn't as horrible as I agree with you. It was condescending. It's not unprecedented for him to be condescending. By the no, way. you don't think? All right. So let's talk people. <laughs> And I like him and I don't know him well, but, you know, he's been always good to me and all that. But, you know, beyond, you know, but he can, he has his ways. He, he has his imperial mode. How about, we'll put it that way. Okay. Listen, he, no, he no his imperial about mode. But then what he did after they got beat uh, uh, the other night, um, but was a little, dis- I didn't like it. Uh, he called them soft. He, he really, really not ripped. I mean, I thought I could address it and get it fixed in another day, you know. I don't know. I mean, you're right. They're young. I, I, I'm not sure that it's not very becoming coach. No, somebody no. tell them it's not very becoming. Can, Can I give you my favorite case story? Sure. So it's 2006 is really when I really started. I was doing recruiting before then started really covering college hoops. Uh, 2007, I'm working on a story, uh, a Duke story. And he called me from his cell phone and didn't block his, his cell phone number. So obviously I plugged it into my phone and said, Hey, if if I'm ever going to need it, I'll use it. I'm not going to call him for no reason, really, but I may need it. I know that's what we have to do. The deal. We all do it. Of course. So uh, 2008 comes and uh, I'm down at my in-laws in in Boca uh, trying to get away. I think it must've been in like February and uh, it's about eight 30 at night. And Bob Knight retires. Bob Knight retires. So I'm like, all right, if there's ever a time, I'm working at Fox at the time. I remember a time I'm going to call Coach K. It's got to be now, right? Like, I didn't have any relationship with him at all. He didn't know who I was. And Duke, that year, they had been on this kind of mission to be more people were killing them. So they were more media friendly. That was kind of their whole mantra that year was to be more media friendly. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'll try it, right? I'll call him. It's about 9.30 at night at this point. I'm probably debating for about a half yeah, hour, yeah. 45 minutes, <laughs> right, whether to call him, I'm, you know. Um, so I, I call him. He answers. I said, hey, coach, this is Jeff Goodman from Fox. I uh, just wanted to get a quick comment from you about, you know, your mentor, Bob Knight, retiring. This is neither the the number, the time, or, or the number to – to, to call thanks click and he hangs right up on me so i wrote it the next day i wrote the whole thing i said so much for them being more media friendly like, <laughs> come on, you can't give me 30 seconds of a quick quote on yeah. bob knight or at least be a little bit more respectful so the next day john jackson duke's sid calls me up and he says hey just so you know like if you ever need anything just just call me and we'll we'll handle it don't worry about it and they did after that like they were great but you know Again, like Kay and I have had had our run-ins, plenty of them over the years. Like, we're good at times. We're not good because, you know, like one of the things I always said, and I said it on the air plenty, was USA Basketball helped him get back at Duke. They helped him. You know, that obviously the juice he had um, with guys like LeBron helped mm-hmm. him. And sure. also he had access that other coaches didn't have to the young players. Yep, yep. So, but they won't acknowledge like, it. He had like an hour in-home visit with Austin Rivers. You know, he would – I saw it. I don't remember Alex Murphy, one of the three Murphy brothers around our parts. Mm-hmm. He, he showed up. They were playing AU basketball. They were recruiting Alex, who, who eventually went to Duke and then transferred, brought him over and introduced him to Kevin Durant. 
at the national team. <laughs> no. but like there were advantages. He, he yeah. was able to Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, and Tyus Jones. They were all in USA basketball coming up. Mm. So there were advantages. So I said it on the air multiple times, and he took umbrage with it uh, one year and, and came up to me at, in, in Vegas at an AU event. And I just said, listen, Mike, like, it's true. It's true. You're going to try to tell me that you didn't get Justice Winslow and, and, and Okafor and Tyus, <clears throat> that, that USA basketball didn't help? Of course they did. So, and you earned it. And that's what I told them in the conversation. I said, you earned USA basketball. Every other coach would probably have done the same thing. Just buy into it. Like, don't try to bullshit people. You earned it. Absolutely. That, that's, that's, what can I say? I was going to say something about that. But uh, yeah, no, there's no doubt that. Uh, are, are you? Oh, I was going to say, uh, let me say this. He, I can't think of. And yeah, you know, we've all gone of anyone else in the history of in the last fifty years of of, of of all basketball who was more perfectly suited to be that Olympic coach uh, and bridge the gap between you know jumping from college and, and uh, relating to the pros uh, than Mike Shashevsky. He was a dream candidate for yeah. us, and and we needed it. You know, and, and you know, people. Uh, I was pr- front and center uh, at the. Uh, demise uh, at the, the low point of um, international best United States of America in the 20th century, uh, losing to such teams as uh, oh, ultimately losing to Greece in in Tokyo in 19 in 2006. We lost to Greece fair and square. We were we were pick and rolled to death by Shortnitis, the, the the baby shack. Yes. Uh, and anyway, and that was his first year taken over and he knew what the task was at that point. And you know, you, we saw what happened. We were getting the gold back in 08 and 12. But anyway, nobody. Are you, excited? Hey, Bob, are you excited for the big Carolina Duke game this weekend on Saturday? I might make other plans. I might. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't think I'm moving heaven and earth. If, if it's six o'clock, you know, background. Come on, this is like a, a, a winner. It's, it's a knockout game in a sense. Like, yeah, that's might go to the NCAA tournament. Loser might be watching the other one go while they're in the NIT. Like this one, honestly, <laughs> that, 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 that's a selling point. That's a selling point. I'm going to sell it to you. I, I'm going <laughs> to sell you. You need to now again. Does ESPN need to promote this one like they have? No, no. Leaving out a little details in the, in this in this uh, promotion of uh, Jay Will and, and Vince Carter. <laughs> it's hilarious. They put up there, 1960. That's what they should put up on the promotion. Because yeah. that's the last time these two teams have played when both have been unranked. It's amazing, though. Think about that. I know. No, no. It's 60 years. Oh, my God. Of course. Absolutely. No. I mean, Kay, think about this. The only time Kay hasn't gone to the NCAA tournament was the infamous back injury. Yeah. Um, and Roy, in his entire career, has, has not gone twice. Once was his first year taken over at at Kansas after Larry Brown put him on postseason ban. Right. And the other was the year after his second national title game at uh, when he won it all at, at Carolina. So, I mean, this is just, it's historic in a way. And, and well, I'll leave you with this. I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think the tournament this year will resonate nationally if we don't have we're, we're not going to have Kentucky. We know that. Unless they win the SEC tournament, they're gone. And they're not winning the SEC tournament. 
We're probably not going to Michigan State. And let's say for, for argument's sake, we don't have Duke. Is this tournament going to lose a lot, or, or is the average fan going to say, I'm not watching this thing? It won't make any difference to me, but I've learned the hard way over the years that it does matter to more people than I, uh, than I can relate to, you know, that kind of thing. Secondly, uh, there being fewer people by far in offices, all those pools, are they going to be, are they going to be uh, out there this year? Uh, are people going to find a way, you know, to, with the remote aspect of the way people are working to, to Good question. You can do it? You yeah. can do it, but will it still have the resonance with the feedback and the next day talk? And I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a, a I, they need a tournament, but, and I'll be interested, but I, I don't think I'll have the resonance at all. That, that yeah. I, 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 I kind of am with you on this. Um, you know, I, again, I love it. I love this year having Gonzaga and, and, and Baylor and uh, oh. Villanova. Like even Villanova, we we act like Villanova is now this this blue blood. But let's face it, like Villanova was never put in the same class ever as Carolina, as Duke, as UCLA, as you know. Like they've moved themselves into that equation the last five years by winning two titles. Um, Jay Wright's done a remarkable job, but. Anyway, all right. Well, listen. Ryan Goodman podcast guest Jay Ryan. Let's not forget that. That's right. Now we gotta. I, I gotta. I gotta use my juice to try to get Mark Few in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be great. I'm gonna work on that when we get off here, and uh, plenty to talk about coming up. We, we'll we'll have plenty more as college hoops kind of nears the end of its regular season. Uh, we'll continue to watch the Brooklyn Nets and Bob Ryan's favorite player Kyrie. If you get if you get Mark Few, I want him I want him be doing it from Jack and Dan's. <laughs> he probably will. He probably okay. will. Either, either that or, or or while fishing, maybe we can get him. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Very good. Take care.